Are you good? I'm good. Are you good? You're good. good. All right, I'm good. Finally, everybody's good. That one. All moment, right. That one moment in time when everyone's good. Everyone's good. That's right. My blood sugar is, is just at the perfect mark, so that I'm not too crazy, but I'm also not too. Is that what it takes? Not too uh, down. Just getting your blood sugar lined up, eh? That's all it is. You know all about that. I know all about that. So we've been in this continuing attempt to refine what we mean by missional. And maybe that's not even a good idea. So this podcast today, our topic, is kind of related to slacktivism and mission that we did a couple times ago. I don't see it related at all. Uh, no, all right. Well, he doesn't see it related at all. But it's a sense that uh, how do we relate Sunday morning and what we do out there? And, and how does that fall into the category of missional? Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe you better let me uh, introduce All right, you introduce the topic. Okay, yeah, so, um, like, in traveling around for, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe five, maybe ten years, um, it seems to me that a lot of times churches adopt the label missional, and what that means is Sunday morning service with a little added on justice projects as a sprinkling. So it's Sunday morning service plus justice projects added on. There's not really an interconnectedness between Sunday morning service and justice projects. There's not really an an endeavor to be present. It's something like this. We have Sunday services. We have a leadership structure that's inside these four four walls of this building. And we just... (coughs) We, we sit here in our offices and we discern, well, there's a problem in that part of the community. There's an issue in that community. There's a need in that community. Let's rally the people around. Let's gather resources and go get and go attack the problem and solve the problem. And, you know, my contention is that's not really what I think uh, engaging the mission of God, being present in the mission of God participating in the mission of God looks like. That looks more like Christendom power trip. uh, Turning (laughs) poor people into objects. And I think that's not the way God works to save the world. From Northern Seminary, in partnership with Missio Alliance, this is Theology on Mission, the podcast exploring God and integrating faith and life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Holsclaw and David Fitch. So the idea that shifting from an attractional church that's focused on Sunday morning to, quote, a missional church, it doesn't mean keeping everything the same and then just finding a a soup pantry to be a part of, a food pantry, or some homeless shelter, and then but you keep everything the same, you keep your theology and your discipleship the same. Uh, That's not missional when you just kind of add a little kind of hats on top of your... Because let's let's look at what that does. I mean, a few things it does. One, one is, look at the dynamics. Okay, I'm a leader in the church. I'm going to rally up. Hey, we've got a problem in the neighborhood. We need to all get together and solve this homeless problem in our neighborhood. Well, on that corner, there's a homeless shelter and there's a few empty houses. We're, gonna, we're going to gather our resources and we're going to uh, rally the troops and we're going to send them out and we're going to bust our butts 
solving this problem. There's a dynamic there. Wouldn't you agree? There's a dynamic there that says, this is up to us. This is all my doing, and we're going to go solve the problems of the world. My contention is it doesn't work that way. Actually, most small most small missional churches burn themselves out within three years trying to rally the troops to engage justice projects in the neighborhood because there's just too many of them. And, and you don't really see the kind of things maybe we were hoping for by getting involved. We don't see homeless, homelessness solved. And, and so what do we do anyways? And there's this uh, disillusionment that comes out of it. So, so this kind of dynamic, I think, doesn't work and actually uh, works against shaping churches into mission. And a lot of times it's not even local neighborhood mission. You're, you're trucking yourselves off to, you know, across four different neighborhoods to some other, you know, place that really right. needs help. So it's not even organically connected to right. where and, you are. And, and when we move away from small missional churches to these large uh, mega churches. Well, they'll, they'll build large uh, justice centers or create large projects by sending thousands and thousands, thousands of dollars into a neighborhood that's maybe 30 miles away on, on the south side of Chicago where they think they can help. But really what they're doing is they're, um, they're distancing themselves from the poor. by They're separating themselves and, as the haves and the have-nots and we all know about Bob Upton, uh, Lupton and, and Toxic Charity and When Hurting Helps and all those books that have been done to show how we're creating a dynamic that actually makes poverty uh, more endemic to the situation by basically putting all the pieces to the puzzle in that support a person being in poverty. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That wasn't too good of an explanation. Um, but this dynamic we have to overcome. It's not really mission, what it is. Now, now, there are those of you out there who are going to say, well, it does accomplish some good. I call that the difference between preservatory functions and redemptive functions. But pre preservatory uh, orders where we try to hold things together, we try to keep people alive, we keep people fed so as the space can be held open for the redemptive power of God to work. But it's not redemptive in and of itself. Similar to like a police force. Like, like there's violence, guns, bad things going on in a police force. Hopefully the good that can come from a police force is a preservatory uh, function. Keeping people from killing themselves and keeping peace in a society so that the space can be made for the kingdom and redemptive work of God to be done by his church. Similarly, when we go and we do mercy and we give food to people who are hurting, there's a preservatory nature to that. We're keeping people going, we're sustaining them, but that in and of itself is not redemptive. And if that's all we do, it basically uh, condemns people to simply surviving. Not, so that's the sense not flourishing right and so they're so we're just we're not uh empowering these communities we're not giving them the skills to um to live on their own they're we're just continuing different versions of dependence right. and so that's the idea that you talk about that this kind of makes justice into a project it's disconnected from what you're doing as a church it makes people into a project and it make, yeah it makes people into a project um, is disconnected from relationship, but it also makes justice, you say, into a concept. Now, what does that mean? Well, it makes justice into a concept. Right. It's something uh, we believe in. 
Uh, We've already figured out in advance. We figured out what justice looks like in advance because we know we know what it's going to look like. Uh, and so what we do then is we often uh, enter into a place and do what we think is justice, where in reality, if we just stayed there for a little while, if we lived there, if we were present, we might find out that what people need, what the world needs, what the school system needs, what the justice system needs, what the government needs is maybe something completely, totally different. And um, yet we have to live there long enough and listen and be present, see what's going on, discern the work of God, the presence of Christ among people, listen in order to discern what justice is. I think all of us know justice can become something we print on a t-shirt to make ourselves feel better. But we must discern justice, and justice in Christ is not always justice of the world. various political systems. I mean, justice in the United States of America, democracy, looks different than justice in the Soviet, or, or Russia. Uh, I was going to say Soviet Union, but it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, so, um, uh, but uh, isn't it typically American to say, hey, we know what justice is, and Iraq, you need our justice. And we're going to go bombing you into uh, whatever to uh, make sure you get it. But actually, no, that's not the way God works. And so we need to discern justice and what God's doing, not just uh, conceptualize it and implement it in a kind of a white Cartesian way. And you kind of just spilled into the last point that I think uh, we often talk about is that justice, when it's... Uh, viewed as a project where you're applying this concept is it ends up being very coercive. And you're going in there and you're just banging people around, giving people money, taking money away, telling them to do certain yeah, no, things. Uh, we're using the word, uh, I think you're using the word coercive, not, not necessarily in a violent way. We're going there to bring peace. But what we do is we impose our ideas of what we think should be done. Uh, whether we like it or not, whether we mean to or not, uh, and so that can be felt like coercion. So, yeah. So um, there's a better way to do this, maybe. Is there a better way to think of missional that's not just an attractional Sunday morning church program with social justice tacked up? Yeah, well, um, so I guess, um, but, but, but let's just understand that um, to do what we're talking about takes a whole re-envisioning of a culture. And so, um, first of all, we no longer think uh, in non-spatial, non-local, non-particular terms. In, in reality, our, our Sunday morning gathering becomes part of a rhythm of the rest of the week. And so, what we want to see ourselves doing is like not only practicing the Lord's table on Sunday morning. We want intending to the presence of Christ, but taking all that that does in our lives to our neighborhoods and tables, say in our homes in the neighborhood, and tables in the various coffee shops, children's groups, school cafeterias, um, um, lunch, uh, lunchtime at the local uh, um, justice of the peace or court courthouses, uh, wherever we eat meals regularly. 
in the cafeteria or in the McDonald's or wherever that we go to where we go to work. Um, on the train car when we come home, uh, if we're having a beer or something with somebody, tend to the presence of what God's doing there. Learn how to listen to the issues. Learn how to be present long enough uh, to discern what God's doing and then let us participate. And then, hey, who knows? We might discern that God is, is uh, uh, leading us to do A, B, and C together with the community, and then let's bring resources. Let's uh, say, hey, could you help us? We need a carpenter on this house, and we know of a carpenter. Uh, we've got teeth problems with the children in the school. We've got two dentists that, that are part of our church. Uh, you know, then, then bring the resource, post facto, so to speak, ad hoc. And, and, and in terms of joining with what God's doing in the neighborhood. What do you think about that concept? What are the struggles in, in, that you've had at Life on the Vine? Because the other day when I was thinking about this, um, flying home in a plane, I was thinking, Life on the Vine, are they just Sunday morning <laughs> service with a few justice projects added on? And then I admit I have this problem, and it's called impatience, and it's called impatience. But I thought, I'm going to have to go home and yell at Holesclaw for doing this to Life on the Vine. Not, 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 <laughs> just, not to say that, that not, you know, I'm not, I'm not off the hook on this. I, I, it's a struggle. And I just wonder, like, in what ways are you at Life on the Vine? Because I'm no longer at Life on the Vine. I'm at Peace of Christ. And we're dealing with all these same struggles. Everybody is. How do we quit? How do we resist being Sunday morning service with a few justice projects added on? Well, so there's, there's two things. One is, I agree with you know everything that we've been talking about um but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing those activities right so that doesn't mean we shouldn't so right now life in the vine has kind of like a food pantry that we're that's out of our building so we're getting to know a lot of people in the community friends are bringing friends and now we have friends of friends who are bringing friends and so it actually is kind of rippling out into uh different relationships and groups of people and so that's one thing that we're trying to do. Um, but it is tough. It's one of these things where um, how do you evaluate or how do you put some sort of metric around bringing reconciliation to your neighborhoods, bringing peace to uh, families, um, you know, influencing kind of uh, schools and things like this. And so um, especially because Life on the Vine is, is more, unfortunately, but this is part of our reality, it's kind of a, a commuter group where we have people you know, in one neighborhood over here, a group in another over here. So, like, one of our mission orders uh, actually adopted um, and helped out at uh, a middle school who was opening their computer labs so that undocumented workers could, like, start filling out forms and have the help to do it. And so uh, our group was actually manning the, the computer labs for the school, volunteering their time so that the, the labs could be open so that people could take advantage of getting online for free and have people help translate different kinds of things. And so that was one of our groups kind of helping out um, kind of a disenfranchised kind of people. Um, and so there's, you know, there's things like that, but, um, but yeah, it has been difficult for us yeah, to Well, to you, you've out. got Life in the Vine, uh, you know, uh, the building where you meet is in the middle of, I don't know, a half a dozen communities. And, and frankly, your people are dispersed among those communities, and they ought to spend most of their time, in my opinion, in those communities. Yes. In their home groups, mission orders, like we call them in, in Life in the Vine. Being present and uh, engaged 
uh, with what's going on in their neighborhoods. One of the problems with justice projects being made into, with, with, with justice projects, is they become a project and they, in essence, I don't think, uh, bring the gospel. In other words, they don't bring the, the project that what's going on, what God is doing to its full completion in Christ. That's going to take some theological explanation, but basically what I'm saying is we turn it into a project, we try to solve its problem, but do we realize all violence, all unreconciledness, all lack, all need finds its fulfillment and reorganization in the kingdom of God through Christ. And sometimes we just think, oh, I have to go solve that hunger problem. I just have to go solve that homeless problem. I just go have to go solve that domestic violence problem, bring some counseling there. No, See, here's where I differ with some of my friends. Jesus. No Jesus, ultimately no justice. No justice, no Jesus. So if there's... if You know that doesn't come out very good hurt. That's more of a written thing. So K N O W. K N O. You have, yeah, you know Jesus, and then therefore you will come to know what justice is. But if there is N O, Jesus, then there will be N O justice. Right. So no justice work is complete until Jesus, until it has found its completion in Christ. Whereas some on say the other hand, any it, work of justice, whether Christ is ever mentioned, is is a is inherently good. Yeah. Right, and this is where and we're not saying it's bad; it's just incomplete. It's incomplete. Uh, so that's a little bit of a difference between a reformed person who thinks common. I'm, I'm over stereotyping. Common grace it has an inherent integrity and goodness to it, uh, a beauty to it, separate from the redemptive work of God in Christ. Okay, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an Anabaptist type. I see no uh, that actually it's hard to know what is the the grace of God common. Cre- created order apart from and in through Christ and then secondly I don't think it's completed until it's finds its fulfillment in Christ that might take until the eschaton but the fact is without our presence there the kingdom is not fully recognized okay that's a that's that's a whole can of worms we opened on this podcast which <laughs> we can deal with next time well on the, just, just to kind of bring it together the whole kingdom of God on earth is is in a sense justice being made on earth, but the, the main difference is, is that biblically, since we like to talk about the Bible, biblically, justice is a relational concept. It's not a juridical concept primarily. It's not about who you are before the law. It's how are you in your relationships. And so whenever all relationships are becoming right through Christ, all justice will then come. And so, and that's a communal social reality that can't be disconnected from Sunday and then just thrown on top midweek every once in a while. All right, you have a good... We put a bow on that one? Yeah. All right. So we'll skip... Uh, we'll change the order. So, what are you reading? You first. You, oh, you say that every time. What are you reading? So, what am I reading right now? Now, because we're of a holiness and somewhat charismatic framework, uh, as Evan, we like to bring up that evangelicalism also has holiness, Pentecostal, charismatic influences in it. Amen. Amen. As well as the Anabaptist and the Baptist and the Reformed order. Evangelical has all these things. So anyways, so I've been reading this book. Um, it's called Approaching the Heart of Prophecy. And it's going to be a book that I'm going to read a couple different times. Uh, it's just, it, I absolutely love it. It's changing my understanding of, well, what is a prophet? What does that category of prophecy have to do in the New Testament? And he really just encourages over and over and over and over again, any word from God is meant to build people up and not tear people down. 
It's meant to share God's love, not to bring his condemnation. And so, and he just shows all throughout, you know, Old and New Testament that this is generally the case. Uh, so it's really been changing my categories. I run into, Dave, I know you run into people too who self-style themselves as prophets, but really they're just grouchy people who are full of criticism. And they say that this, I wasn't just looking at you. Dave gave me that, wait, are you no, talking about I, me, Look, I'm actually so, distracted. Uh, so he's, he's uh, online doing something. So Approaching the Heart of Prophecy by Graham Cook. That's what I've been reading. I've been loving it. What have you been reading? Um, well, uh, I just want to draw attention to everybody's, uh, to everybody on this book entitled Ancient Christian Worship by Andrew McGowan, Yale Church Historian. I've been doing a lot of work on the practices and preparation for my upcoming book, Faithful Presence, and I found this book. You know, there's Gregory Domdix, there's Paul Bradshaw, there's uh, Joseph Martos, there's, uh, there's numerous people that have written on the history of the sacraments and how they developed, and I, I'm really interested in what went uh, forgive me for this Anabaptist thing, but what went wrong? How did the Eucharist go from being a communal meal and, and a focused, intentional time around the table to this kind of sequestered thing inside the four walls where we where we remember where we remember Christ for like 30 seconds and then move on? And, and so Andy McGowan traces a lot of the uh, the early sacraments and what happened and how the early church. Uh, how they developed throughout history, and it's a great book to get a handle on uh, what actually is, where these sacraments came from, you know, the Eucharist, the Lord's Table, uh, reconciliation, uh, prayer, etc., and uh, I just want to recommend it. I think it's great reading. It's relatively new. It's only a year old, but it's, it's, if you're into history and you want to read it in a vibrant way, it's a great book. All right. Very good. So, Fitch versus Fitch. As always, he's actually feeding me one, which I think is cheap. Well, I so but we're just gonna do this. He yeah. says, Fitch, you said yesterday at 7:27 a.m. on uh, Facebook, if grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's probably because your neighbor stays home and waters it. Yeah, that's a quote from Tim Otto. Uh, that's that's is that that's quoting Jonathan Wilson Hargrove. I said, you say via Tim Otto. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's probably because your neighbor stays home and waters it. Yeah, and again, this is the book uh, by Tim Otto that I was uh, talking about last podcast, which I was recommending. And Tim, I love it. Uh, but uh, uh, I just think that that points out uh, a real issue in our times. Uh, uh, we, we move for the flimsiest of reasons. Someone was asking me on a webinar today, how do you get people, you know, we live in a transient culture. How can you even stay long enough in a place to, to ground the kingdom of God and, and uh, inhabit it long enough for it to start taking root and happening? And I said, well, you got to ask people not to move. And they got, you got to understand, the grass is always greener on the other side, but why is it there? Because people are probably staying there and watering it, in the words of, of Tim Otto and that phrase. And I just think that uh, at some point we got to say, hey, you can't move. Go up to people and say, hey, we're moving. We're moving for, for what? A better job. You can't do that. What? Yeah. We're committed to this place, this location, this time. And we believe God's called us here and he's working here. I just think that's a, a great quote by Tim Otto. Uh, use it and use it often to call your people to stay put in the location God's called them to water the kingdom of God and see it grow. And their lives shall be blessed and the place where they live shall be blessed. Amen. Do I have an amen? Amen. Amen. I think that was kind of uh, not in the spirit of Fitch versus Fitch, but it was a very good point. Mm. We kind of created a new segment there. 
Whatever All right. So, uh, quick announcement. Uh, Dave and I are both going to be at the Genesis Church Planning Training, which is happening here in Chicago on September 21st through the 25th. It's a church planning training that is being hosted by Ecclesia Network. Dave will be there. Greg Boyd is going to be there for a couple of days. Actually, the better half of my family, my wife, Sid Holzklau, will be there doing some of the training. Also, you should check that out. We'll have all the info on the show notes. And our Missional Learning Commons is coming up in November, November 6th and 7th. Stay tuned for those details. Well, that's all for today. Missional Learning Commons this year is about preaching and mission and, and proclaiming versus teaching. And, and just expanding the imagination by the Holy Spirit, inviting people into the kingdom in your neighborhood. That's what preaching is about. You'll do that on Missional Learning Commons. All right. If you like this podcast, please go over to iTunes and give us a good review. Let people know. All the music is by Ketza. Until next time. This Could is you spell that, please? K-E-T-S-A. There's a bunch of good music. Dave loves it. I He's got to listen to it for like four minutes before we even start I the podcast it. to get in the groove. Yeah. Dave Fitch, Jeff Holzklaus signing off from Northern Seminary.